Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Dr. Bad Film. I'm James. As always, I'm joined by my two awesome co-hosts, Simon. How's it going? And Daniel. How's it going? Yeah, but also, also, we've got a guest. We have Harley Neville with us today, a New Zealand-based producer, actor, and co-founder of Pigville Productions, a New Zealand-based production company. Mate, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, Killed everybody. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here on the uh, Dr. Bad Film podcast. Not sure if I should be offended or not. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week we're yeah we're having a look at one of Harley's films, uh, one where he's in the leading role, the 2014 comedy horror "I Survived a Zombie Holocaust." Well, it's actually, um, it says 2014, but it always bothered me because that was when our, we had our festival release, but actually it was 2015 was when it came out publicly. And so it always kind of bothers me that oh. it says on IMDb 2014 when uh. really I feel like it's 2015. But if anybody out there in, uh, in internet land wants to edit that, just go right ahead, change that to 2015. <laughs> I, I won't mind. They have your permission. Do they not allow you to do that? Do they like IMDb not let you go into I think do I it. tried and I feel like for some reason it wouldn't let me maybe it wouldn't maybe it needed some sort of proof or something like that and basically I gave up but I do have an IMDb Pro account which is very handy as a filmmaker I can definitely recommend getting one because you can um, put all your stuff everything you can create you can put it up on IMDb yourself it's like LinkedIn for the film industry yeah exactly it's why it's why I look so cool on my IMDb it's because uh, I did it myself <laughs> you did it yourself <laughs> yeah we need to make our ones out as um, professional IMDb. <laughs> I don't think they let podcasts on IMDb. We should get some LinkedIn professional podcaster, yeah. voiceover actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are you? Before we go over the plot for today, are you able to tell us a little bit about production? Like, how did this? How did this idea come about to do? I don't know, kind of just like this meta take on the zombie zombie genre. Well. Do you mind if I do do the plot summary first? Because I feel like we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff that they won't understand. You see? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, no, go for it. Cool. So basically, I Survived a Zombie Holocaust follows Wesley Pennington, who is an aspiring, fresh out of film school filmmaker, and that's played by me. That was my role. And he's just got his first job working on a real film set, and it's a B-zombie film called Tonight They Come. But it turns into a sort of a first day from hell when there's a real zombie outbreak in a nearby village and the film set is overrun by actual zombies. Uh, and it's sort of a, a decapitate with care story. <laughs> That's a nice way yeah. to put it. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, because I, I, I think at this time, wasn't it? Like this was roundabout when like the zombie genre, I guess, was it had been a little overdone mm. and i guess the movie plays on that doesn't it quite a bit this was like sort of the peak of when like walking dead the tv show was at its like height right i mean 2015 is before you got sick of zombie films before it was an overdone trope yeah, it, was sort of, yeah. it was sort of like the cool thing sort of there was what happened it's a sad story really because basically what happened was we wrote this and well, Guy Pigden, the writer-director, wrote this in 2010, and we got the funding at the very end of 2010, November 2010, and we filmed it in April 2011. And back then, uh, zombies were hot shit, 
and there was, mm. you know, zombies were really on the way up, but World War Z hadn't come out yet, but um, Walking Dead was around that song, Every Day I'm Shuffling, ding, 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 Yeah, that was hot on the radio when we were shooting it, and if, I don't know if you remember the um, the music video for that, but it's basically music zombies, and they if you don't stop dancing, they notice and you become infected. Uh, that's what the music video is for that, and so yeah, everything was that. zombies at the time, and it was very cool, but then what happened was we went into post-production at the beginning of 2011 when zombies were still hot shit, and then it took four years to get through all the post-production and get it all done and get it out. And by 2015, you know, World War Z had come out and, you know, Walking Dead had bunch of done a bunch of extra seasons and everything was kind of, everyone was pretty much over zombies by the time it came out. And we mm. also failed to change the name. We probably... When we first created it, we were like, yeah, cool, I survived a zombie holocaust, kind of a working title. But then in 2015, we should have rethought that and probably taken out the Z word in order to kind of focus more on, less on it being a zombie film and more on it being about a film set being overrun by real zombies and kind of, yeah, like the horror parody type stuff. Yeah, because the zombies don't show up until till quite far into the film. About halfway. Yeah, in. and it's yeah, it's and it's mainly just about minutes, isn't it? Yeah, like you say, like a horrible first day of, yeah. of the character that you were playing. Like I do feel quite sorry for his character. Like he's he's yeah. trying his best, even though it he's thick as fuck. Like he's yeah. not, he's not very smart. <laughs> <It's an> incredibly <laughs> pathetic human being. <laughs> a bit a bit socially inept in reading situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, a better title might have been um, Cinema Never Dies. Kind of like that, Cinema Never Dies, because it's set mm, on a film set. I like that. You know, but it doesn't say the Z word, but it still lets you know that it's a horror, you know? So that's what I was kind of thinking. But but yeah, so by the time we actually released it, sadly, the zombie bubble had somewhat popped, which was a bit of a, a real bummer for us, because, you know, when we created it, zombies were hot. What what were the, the holdups in the production? Like, why, why did it take so long? To, to go from concept to, to actual film? Or is that just the normal thing that happens? It was a low-budget film, so so that's part of it, was that it was $250,000. That's how much the film, that's the total budget, which is a lot of money for me, but it's not a lot of money to make a, a feature-length film, especially one that has a lot, a, quite a lot of ambition, you know, a lot of locations, a lot of cast and crew, and there's some stunts, and there's, um, you know, visual effects and practical effects and all that type of stuff, and basically it all just kind of adds up. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, we didn't probably didn't set aside enough money for the post-production, plus we ran into a few post-production issues, like, for example, we lost um, some of the footage. One, We lost a full day of footage, which meant we had to go oh, back. Wow. Yeah, and it was a big day, too, of, like, in a swamp. The swamp, I don't know if you, you remember the swamp scene. I had to. We actually had to yeah, do that yeah. scene twice, and um, that's because we did a full day in the swamp, and then um, somewhere in the transferring process, somebody lost that footage, and so... We had to claim oh, claim for insurance and then go back. That's, oh my god! Yeah, um, claim for insurance. Oh, I suppose it yeah. it'd cost thousands of dollars to shoot for a whole day. Yes, of and course. Are these, yeah. are these like te- are these teething issues normal? Or was that like kind of an exception? Like, I mean, you've made a few films, or you've been involved in the ma- in the production of a few films. Now, is that something? Well, that's kind of common, these like teething issues, or is it... It was definitely our first film. was that kind film. of an anomaly? It was definitely our first film. So there was plenty of room for us like making mistakes and learning as we went and so on. Mm. So there's definitely plenty of room for that. Um, also, 
the director is a, a real perfectionist when it comes. Guy Pigden, his name is, and he's um he's the writer yeah, director, yeah. and he's he's my best friend, and we've been making movies together for twenty years, and he's a real perfectionist, and so that's a good thing because I want to be proud of what we release every time. I don't want to release a bunch of shit stuff and just every now and then release something good. I want to try and release things that are always you know to the as great as they possibly can be um and guy is a real perfectionist so that's a good thing but the flip Mm. side of that is of course it takes a long time to get a color grade done for very very little or 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 visual effects or um sound mixing and all that done for very little because you want the best people to do it and we know the best people and uh, but we need to work around their schedules um and uh, another issue we had was this was kind of one of the main problems with the film was or main problems on during the production of the film was that our practical effects didn't work. We filmed it in Dunedin um, and you know, the, the person in charge of the practical effects was a local guy and maybe we, you know, he, he was a, he was a nice guy and he, he did absolutely a lot of great stuff, but overall a lot of our practical effects just didn't really work. Um, and so it was, Sometimes it was things like squibs, you know, people getting shot and the squib not working. And, you know, Mm. other times it was this and that, the other thing. And so what often happened was these things um, ended up taking longer to film than planned. And then also they all had to be fixed in post-production with visual effects that we hadn't really budgeted for or planned for. So, you know, we didn't have a Mm. workflow for all of these visual effects because it was by and large meant to be done practically. We wanted like practical effects for the most part. And so, yeah, we kind of, that ended up dragging on for a long time where Basically, we were just waiting on on visual effects, and it was our first film, so we didn't know as many people as we do now, uh, and that also kind of slowed it down because we were just working with sort of whoever was keen to work with us, these guys who haven't even released their first feature film, and to do it, you know, for free. It is it is really impressive the effects that come across, like because you only had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. Like we've looked at movies with five times that, even more, that have done a way worse job at making a film. <laughs> mm. oh, well, thank you. I think New Zealand's always had that kind of the number eight wire sort of yeah. uh, attitude. Like you can just make it work for the cost and it'll better and like get a good result from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. A lot of people did contribute and a lot of people put in a lot of hard work for a lot of years because, you know, this was a five year process in the end and we were still shooting pickups, you know, four years later type thing. Um, Not very long before releasing it, we were still going out and shooting pickups. We'd moved from Dunedin to Auckland. And so it was really a, a labor of love and a lot of people it wouldn't have been possible without a lot of people all putting in all of their, you know, their time and expertise just for the love of it and as for favors and for the passion of it. That's really cool. Wow, it's it's kind of crazy to think just how long this film took to make. Like, I assume if you were to redo it or or whatever for your next films, you would just have such a shorter process because of the people you know and all the mm. all the things you found out along the way. Well, you you would think that, right? That um, the second time you make a feature, it'll be a much quicker, <laughs> easier affair, a much yeah. cleaner and easier yeah. experience. You can yeah. take all the lessons that you learned on the first one, apply them to the second one. <laughs> bam, you've got a feature film. Smash it out in a few months. Easy mm. peasy. Um, especially if you write the script in such a way as to make it shootable, then um, even more so, right? So that is actually what mm. we did with our second feature film. So so explain who we is. Guy Pigden and I uh, have been best friends since we were you know, 13, and when we were 16, we made our first feature film. Uh, sorry, our first um, short film. And yep. since then, we've just been you know, making heaps of stuff um, throughout the, 
the uh, you know the last all this time. And, and I survived a zombie holocaust was our our first one together. And then our second one, older, we said we're going to apply all of those. Um, tips and tricks and do a quick easy 12 month one you know and then that ended up taking seven mm. years <laughs> jesus wow Whew. yeah so we, we started that in 2013 and we released it in 2020 and it was a a, a story about sort of a love triangle and it's basically similar to um stories like um before sunset or after sunset and after sunrise oh, right. those i don't know if you've seen those films they're rom-coms and they're basically pretty people in beautiful places um having interesting conversations and so we sort of said let's do something like that this time no exploding heads no um, zombies, no shutting down main streets, no nothing like that. We just... Yeah, it's a bit, of a bit of a pivot from your last movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But w- the idea was to make it shootable, right? And to get it out, not in five years. Yeah. And then mm. that one ended up taking seven years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was everything shot in a certain amount of time and there were just other things that dragged the process along? Or was that... I don't know. Was it, was it just a... The shooting eventually ended up taking years, and it was just. No, it's never the sh- it's know. never the shooting. The shooting's the fun, easy part usually. Um, so the in this case, the well, in both films, we had principal photography, which was you know a few weeks. I think Zombie Holocaust was five weeks, and Older was three weeks. I think, so, and um, yeah. and then but then afterwards it's all the post-production when you're asking people to work for free. And so that's kind of the problem. So our second feature film, Older, the budget, we shot that for $7,000. That's ridiculously low. That's a that's a, mm. that's a micro right, that's budget. That's incredibly And true, that's 7000 yeah. New Zealand dollars we're talking about here, obviously. So yeah, it was very, very cheap. But again, what it meant was there was no actual money for post-production. So we went out and we shot this beautiful thing with these amazing, talented people who were all working for peanuts um, and using their, you know, we were using good quality gear and all that type of thing that we had, you know, managed to get for for favors pretty much. But yeah, then you go into post-production and it's like, well, that's different. Nobody wants to sit there and edit your film for ages and ages. So what ended up happening was Guy did a lot of the editing himself. And then there's, Mm. you know, there's visual effects. We also lost a card one day. We physically lost... After a big day, one of our biggest shoot oh, days, like an SD card. yeah, with yeah. the audio, we physically lost an audio card, and so that co- kind of meant that that entire day, which was a really big scene, needed to be ADR. It all needed to be ADR, and so that again is one of those things where it's like, well, you want it to be good. So you need a recording studio. Yeah, exactly. You need a professional to do it if you want it to look and sound cinematic, um, yeah. and mm. you know, really work. And so we had to spend ages, you know getting that done and, you know, editing it um, around work and around, you know, other, you know, real life stuff that you have to get done. And so it just sort of drags on. And then we ended up also doing some rewrites during the edit and um, changing a few Mm. things, um, which involved us having to go back and shoot entirely new scenes, in some cases, quite big scenes. And so, yeah, it just sort of drags on when you're doing it for literally free. Sure. I can imagine. Were you satisfied with the the final outcome when it came out? Like, were you like, this is perfection or is there still parts where you look back on after spending that long that you'd like, ah, like, I wish I, I wish this went different. On both films, I think there are things um, that could always be better, but that's the way it is. They say a film is never finished, it's abandoned. <laughs> yeah. That, I think, is true, um, because there's, there are things that I would like to go back and change about I Survived a Zombie Holocaust in particular, because I feel like it's got lots of great, it's got so much great potential, and it just needs a bit more tweaking in the edit and a little bit of fiddling around to kind of change a few things, and actually we can make, you know, I mean, I like it, but I think we can make it even better and fix a few things. Could you, could you give us a specific moment? in zombie holocaust that you'd want to change uh i just think maybe for example you could get to the zombies a little bit quicker you know maybe you can yeah sort of 
add a little more, tighten up a few more things, maybe um, tweak it a few more jokes that don't work, take them out or, um, or maybe put in other bits and pieces. Cause there's footage, there's entire scenes yeah. that we didn't use. Um, and so, so we, you could go back and, and do all of that. And in fact, we can't, are actually kind of hoping to, because we get the rights back from the sales agent next year. Ooh. Exciting. Director's cut. Yeah. There is, there is kind of already a director's <laughs> cut because there was a bit of a mistake in the, sort of distribution deal i guess where basically the two versions of the film ended up going out onto the into the world the there's an american and international version which is six minutes longer and then there's a new zealand and australian version which is you know six minutes shorter now the version i sent you guys is the director's cut so there's another version out there which is even longer but it takes longer to get to the zombies and some of the jokes don't work plus we had um where there are some jokes that we took out and and that sort of thing that we replaced in the new version. So yeah, there's already kind of two versions out there, but we get the rights back next year. And and I think the idea would be to recut, you know, do a director's cut and then release it via our sales agent uh, that we have for us, for our other two films, which are older and Immy the Vegan, our third film. They're both with our sales agent who are called Indie Rights. And um, I don't know if you guys care very much about the film distribution world, but they're, 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 been very good to us and so we're quite happy with them so we'd try and take it off our current sales agent with zombie holocaust and and get it onto our new sales agent as well as reserve the right to kind of sell it ourselves on vimeo and stuff like that (laughs) that all sounds pretty cool i do i do look forward to the to the director's cut i imagine there's a lot of things that have changed in post-production since i guess like when you started like in 2011 it's like 10 years ago now even if i guess i guess guy wants to do a lot of stuff himself it'll be i I imagine just considerably easier with the advances and stuff like like the adobe suite yeah home editing's got so much easier in the last 10 years yes i would say so yeah um and we've also like i said we've done two more feature films then since then as well so hopefully um we have more people that would be willing to work with us Uh, we'd be funding it ourselves Mm. though that's the thing any any re-edit we do any new post-production that needs to be done we'd be funding that ourselves and that's how we often do it we just fund it literally from our own our own pocket and maybe a little bit of crowdfunding but yeah so we'd we'd redo this edit and but i'm pretty sure this time we would have enough um favors that we could call in where we'd get some um you know professionals to work for us and maybe help us do this new edit you definitely have the dr bad film listeners behind you on the on the backing of yeah. remaking another another movie like this oh that's good to hear i, I certainly <laughs> hope so because that is of course one of the big problems with filmmaking is finding the the eyeballs to watch it and the funding to make it and um mm. interestingly nowadays that's kind of the same thing because currently eyeballs are currency so if you put Mm. films out and people watch it you can hopefully afford to make your next one and your next one so it's quite great because it means that people out there listening can support us financially without actually giving us any money because all they have to do is go and watch our videos on youtube or go um, and watch uh, our films Uh, there's a website called tubi which is t-u-b-i and um, it's a new new newish platform and basically it's absolutely free feature films and there's lots of feature films on there including two of our ones um, older and emmy the vegan and what's great about it is people watch them and we still get paid even though they're watching for free and it's it's to do with um ad revenue it's kind of like i think it's got kind of a youtube-ish type model i guess that gets probably a lot easier these days as well with with the internet because yeah new zealand film doesn't have a a broad reach historically no i I can see that changing hey i hope you don't mind me asking but what is the revenue from that like i 
I assume it's not enough for each of you guys to have a livable income from it, but at the same time, I assume it's more than, say, $5 a week. Well, so with um, I Survived a Zombie Holocaust, we signed a not great deal, which is why we're excited to get it back next year. And it was one of those um, sort of uh, tragic stories, really, where the, you know, the young film, the inexperienced filmmakers with their first film signed a shitty deal with a, you know, a big L.A., Man, it Sales kind of fits agency. the theme of the of the actual film itself. <laughs> In a way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we sort of signed a, a quite a shitty deal. And um so basically we got a flat fee at the beginning. So if you go and watch I Survived a Zombie Holocaust now, uh that doesn't really make any difference to me, to my bank balance. I don't get anything. So basically we um we signed a deal. One of the big problems uh, with a lot of the deals you sign with sales agents is you've got to be careful because they say things like, you know, that, that they'll promote it for you. And that's what you want, right? You want a sales agent. That's literally the job. The job of the sales agent is to go out and sell it to people and to promote sure. it. And then we all get a cut yeah. of the money, right? But what they do is they inflate their costs, their expenses, so that, you know, they go, all right, cool, we'll make you a trailer. And you go, all right, mate, go make the trailer. That's part of your job. And then um, they, the bill for the trailer is, say, $5,000. But they don't charge you $5,000. They say, we'll just take that out the other end, you know? And then so they they take their 5000 back uh, before you see a cent as as an example we didn't we, we refused to do that we cut our own trailer cuz we didn't we were not happy with that but you know there's a bunch of kind of creative accounting like that that sort of means that the goalposts are always moving because they've got to cover their costs up to a certain amount whatever it might be and once they've recovered their costs because they're not truly costs there are things like them getting their in-house editor to cut a trailer, which takes one day, you know, and they charge $5,000 for it because they're not truly costs. They're really just making a lot of money. And so say they say they've got a $50,000, they want $50,000 worth of expenses for marketing and that type of thing. You kind of go, well, 50,000 bucks doesn't sound that much, you know, in terms of marketing a film. So sure. Mm -hmm. All right. But then once it makes 50,000 bucks, they put that 50,000 bucks mostly in their pocket and then they don't give a shit about marketing the film anymore because uh, well, they, yeah. they, don't, they got their they money back. Money. Yeah. Oh. They don't want to share their money and it didn't, you know, it's more than their money back. And so, yeah, basically we got a really shitty deal. So it was available on all these, um, really huge channels in America like Showtime and AT&T and PlayStation and Xbox and MGO and iTunes and um, Amazon Prime and all of these places. And we basically got one flat f fee at the very beginning, which had to be split up amongst all the cast and crew um, and all the other people. And so, um, so basically, yeah, I mean, I got – well, I got paid one check for I survived. Aside from my fee, which I got a daily fee for the actual shoot, which was a very low fee because the budget was not very high. We got paid a hundred. Everybody, basically, everybody on set got one hundred and twenty dollars per day. This was back in twenty eleven, but still, it was a, even back then a very very low fee for a you know a lead actor in a feature film. Mm. Um, it would have been below minimum wage at the time. I imagine yeah. minimum wage back then was still like I think yeah, twelve yeah. thirteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a rough. It's, a, it's rough for like a. A, a whole day on set. Yeah. And then, so what happened was I got one check for about 420 bucks a couple of years later, and that's it. That's literally all the money I've received from I Survived a Zombie Holocaust. And I, I do own a percentage of the film. And then with Older, we've made more money because we had, didn't sign that shitty deal and we went with Indie Rights. And Indie Rights is basically a, um, what do they call it? A, 
uh, can't remember the word, but basically they take your film and put it up on various pay platforms, but they don't charge you anything. They just take a permanent cut. So for example, they will get it up on Amazon Prime and they'll take 20% and they don't care if it gets views or not. Oh, so they're like taking a, they're taking a cut per stream. Yes. That's, be- that's so it's, better it's, because they're, their incentive is split over the entire time. Mm, exactly. Of, of yeah. Your films there. Yeah. So. That's the one. They want us to make money forever. They want our film to be making money in 10 years because they're still getting 20%. So it's still good mm. for them. And so that's good for us too because we want to be making money in 10 years from the film as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So be careful which one you sign with out there if there's any filmmakers. Um, but I can recommend, you know, my indie rights experience has been pretty good for ind- independent films because, yeah, they, they just put it up. Um, on a bunch of different platforms and you just um, promote it or you don't, it's up to you. There's no marketing fees um, and and then they just take 20%. Are you not allowed to do that um, deal with um, I Survived a Zombie Apocalypse? Are you not allowed to upload that onto your... Um, your indie. Well, he doesn't own it, so I guess they can't. Well, he doesn't own it. He doesn't have the rights to it at the moment. So yeah, next everyone year. listening should wait until next year to yeah. go watch yes. this. Movie. <laughs> basically, basically. Yeah. But it, we'll, we'll set a reminder, and in one year, we'll tell everyone to go go <laughs> yeah. check it out. Yeah, sounds so you, good. You can well, then it'll be thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is, though, if anybody out there did decide they wanted to um, watch it and wanted to, but wanted us to get the money, they can always go to our Patreon. We go patreon.com slash pigville and um which is p-i-g-v-i-l-l-e because his name is guy pigden and my name's harley neville pigden neville pigville came up with it in high school and um basic yeah so patreon.com slash pigville and people can give us a dollar a month and that that really helps because it, it pays for things like our um web um podcast hosting fees and uh you know uh facebook um promoting posts and that type of stuff so it's yeah it's really helpful um do you have a copy of the film on there that they can watch yet <laughs> the next year <laughs> you could do it you could do a neil breen and send them out like dvd copies you yeah yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well we we can absolutely organize that um next year once we next year we can be like hey guys watch the film directly from us on patreon um as long as as long as our indie rights deal would allow it that's the thing we would need to still mm. negotiate with indie rights to be able to um to sell the film ourselves directly on vimeo and in other places so you know there's still some we wouldn't have it absolutely to ourselves unless we chose not to put it on indie rights, which would mean we might have trouble getting it on Amazon Prime and Tubi and all of these other places, maybe. Mm-hmm. Tubi does a lot of horror. They'd be pretty keen for it, wouldn't they? I yeah, no, I think they would absolutely be keen. I think we wouldn't have trouble getting it on unless, of course, our current sales agent has put put it up there already or puts it up before the oh. end of the contract. So if they go away and sign a big contract with them, then maybe we'll end up basically having this film then we can't put it anywhere because because our current sales agent has already sold it to a bunch of people for X amount of oh. years. Um, so yeah. we, we kind of waited to move. see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, they're dicks. They're notorious <laughs> dicks. That's pretty <laughs> Sales dickish. agents are, I mean. You know, like, you know, it's it's a ruthless industry and they're it's a business and they don't, you know, they're there to make money. They're not there to make art. Yeah. And so, so yeah, you've got to, but you've got to be careful who you work with. Yeah. I can, I can definitely imagine like with a lot of money, like, I mean, a film budget can be huge, can't it? There'll be a lot of like predatory behavior, I guess, from a lot of people involved. And mm. yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah. Kind of just what to expect. Well, somewhat mm. to expect. Mm. All right.
right, we'll have a quick chat about some of our favorite parts of the film. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I really like. We were talking about this before, and like the guys were giving me shit. But I really liked the door creaking gag you mm-hmm. guys did when yeah. when um, he walks in on the on the sex scene that's being <laughs> shot. And then also when you repeat the gag later as well, when yeah. you go into the farmhouse, trying to be yeah. quiet. Sorry. <laughs> <It's> the hinge. <laughs> oh, it just kind of like Fantastic. gave me like, I don't know, kind of spoofy family guy sort of vibes. That kind of gag yeah. just like goes and it's uncomfortable, but it's like you're just smiling <laughs> yeah. through it as well. Hit, yeah, uh, hit in your hands. Yeah, just, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> See, in movies, I have a hard time with uncomfortableness, like watching it on screen. I'm just sitting there going, Ugh. I mean, yeah, like, it's definitely... like secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like hiding, hiding my head under I mean, it definitely, you did a good job at, at doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. The, the bonus scene was definitely one of those for me, too. It was, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. This is the, one of the most uncomfortable things we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the, the so, the bonus scene. scene. So, so Wesley gets a gets a yeah. boner when he's trying to uh, f- is it frame a scene? Sorry, the like, is that, scene. Is that, yeah, is that something it's that happens? Like you get extras to go and set a scene. Yeah, well, and, I mean, you wouldn't typically get like the runner and the caterer to stand in, and you normally, <laughs> I guess, on a decent sized budget, you would have actual stand-ins that you pay, and otherwise, yeah, maybe you'd have the, your friends and the caterer and the runner, and you just put put them in there. I guess that could happen, but I mean, you don't normally get them to take off all their clothes. No, so, in a real <laughs> film, you wouldn't expect them to take off their clothes, even if it was, you know, setting up um, for a, for a nude scene, you know, so. So it's basically the you know the the gag is that people the main actors need to go away to their trailers and the the lighting needs to be set up so in the meantime they get the my character and the caterer who he has a crush on to um to be stand-ins for the scene for the lighting but of course um they're naked and they're lying around on each other and he becomes aroused <laughs> is is that a is that a thing so he becomes aroused and it's like a big deal people start like looking at him and go oh but surely in a sex scene it, like it's a normal thing to happen like is that actually like if someone's aroused during a sex scene is it frowned upon does it actually <laughs> take a faux pas in the movie industry <laughs> to get an erection during a well, sex scene <laughs> um i think i think it was jack nicholson um who said before a sex scene it might not have been him so don't quote me but i think he said to his um co-star he said hey listen we're about to do the sexy scene look don't be offended if i do and don't be offended if i don't uh, <laughs> yeah so so i mean That's i guess fair. at the at the end of the day, it's biology, but you can, you know, you can be professional about mm. it. But I mean, obviously it could, absolutely it could yeah. happen. I, I feel like it, it could happen. I've done quite a few kissing scenes and um, I'll, I'll keep it professional, but I am still a human, you know, and I have a biological response sure. when I'm kissing, you know, beautiful, beautiful women. So of course, you know, it can happen. But that scene was very funny. It's, you know, it's a nude scene and you see me full frontal nude apart from wearing what's known as a cock sock, which is, uh, a, you know, a, a special sock that they put over your uh, genitals to, to, preserve your modesty and is so that another made I, up thing or it's almost like more undignified than just being nude yeah in a way. <laughs> i don't know i'd probably still take the cock sock if i had a choice yeah 
Well, what's interesting about this film, something you should keep in mind about this film, was that it was shot in a Dunedin winter. Okay. Oh, so say, say no more. It's Ooh. freezing cold. It's not doing anyone any favours. Well, it's freezing cold. You know, I mean, Dunedin, for our international listeners, is at the bottom of the world. You can't, the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand, you can't really get too much closer to Antarctica. There's a, you know, there's a few cities between us and Antarctica, but not that many. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's a cold place, especially in winter. Uh, mm. And, and so we had films, uh, we were filming overnights, we were filming in a swamp. And then, of course, there was this nude scene which was filmed in a gigantic barn and it was sort of this big cavernous drafty barn and if I would have a blanket on between takes um, but it's fucking cold <laughs> that only does so much and and yeah and you can we had a gas heater which was, you know, cranking um, heat out, which was great, but we couldn't use it during takes because it was so noisy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just pick up all that background noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you're standing next to it, you, you start getting kind of a heat rash, and the last thing you want is to be having be covered in kind of a heat rash for your nude scene. So you sort of got to stay away from it anyway. Um Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that this was going to be um, uh, sort of a special sock, you know. Like I was like, it's a co- this cock sock. What do you, where do you get a cock sock from? It must be a special sock, right? Some something special, but a, a magical contraption that would pr- protect my modesty. That the you know the makeup people would provide for me, or something like that, or the costume people. But due to the budgetary restrictions, it, it turned out that none of those things were available. So I had to take uh, my sock off my foot <laughs> Your own sock. <laughs> and uh and, and and put it on my dick and then and then fasten it there with the makeup girl's hair tie yeah, i was gonna say hair tie would be a good choice you want to go for it back afterwards no she didn't want it back afterwards um <laughs> and you know i mean it, it all sounds very funny but i actually caught a really bad case of athlete's penis <laughs> <laughs> All of this was after Mike Edward, my co-star, who plays the big, muscly, handsome, um, you know, hunk. Um, He had just done his nude scene on the same day. We're filming in the same location. So we filmed all of the scenes in that room, you know, in one, you know, or in a few days. And he, um, Mike Edward is this, you know, this chiseled, beautiful man with a, you know, an exceptional body. He's tall and, um, you know, he's got abs and he's tan. I was surprised how buff he was yeah, when he took jet. his shirt off. I was like, yeah. damn, that dude is actually yeah. fucking shredded. Yeah, he's well, he's from, he's from Spartacus. He's one of the actors from Spartacus, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead and stuff like that. And so he is actually that, that jacked. And so basically the cast and crew are all there. Here's this guy and he's wearing his cock sock. And he, I tell you what, my, my cock sock was an ankle sock his cock sock was a rugby sock you know (laughs) so so i've got to step in there after this guy you know standing in literally the same place as him you know it was basically just like the movie it was exactly like the movie just like the movie yeah (laughs) easy to get in the role then i guess Mm. yes (laughs) that's hilarious I think for um for I wouldn't say this is a really favorite scene more of like a concept but I really enjoyed that a lot of the because you have these kind of like big personalities a lot of the cast is kind of they're playing up this kind of cliche you've got the like you know the explosives special effects guy who's just kind of this gun nut and wants to be this kind of like military cosplay hero you've got this you know the buff guy who's full of himself and then a lot of these characters ends up with deaths that feel relevant to 
the foils of that character. Hmm. Especially, uh, particularly, I, I want to call out the military cosplayer, special effects guy, mm-hmm. just because he, <laughs> he gets to the end of that scene and has to just shoot himself in the head. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't control the gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was a, it was a, uh, a good clever spin, I thought. Well, that's actually what that, you know, brings me to my favorite scene, actually, which was, you know, so after the egg beater scene, I my character uh, alongside my co-star Jocelyn Christian, who played Susan Ford, and we sort of run through a horde of zombies and we're trying to escape. And then out of nowhere comes our, our backup. Um, there's a makeup, tr- there's a, a truck, a lighting truck, and um, the back opens up and Randy, this American character you were just talking about, this um, mm. um, explosives expert type. Um, gung-ho character gets out his gun and starts um, blowing away all of these zombies but of course he's actually just blowing away the zombie extras he's just murdering all of these yeah. extras who, who are trying to saying, escape hey, they're all yelling out to him going no help me help me yeah. help me help me help. and he pulls out a big knife and <laughs> stabs them yeah. with it <laughs> <laughs> cuts their throat. Does he actually um, kill any real zombies in the movie? Because I think even in his death no. scene, he kind of misses all of his shots and then just shoots himself in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So it that's one great. of my favorite scenes because, especially because it's in a sort of extreme, super slow motion. So yeah. he's, you know, blowing away all these extras and murdering them all in slow motion, which which is great. And then he has a great um, rant in the back of the truck, and we kind of come up with a plan. Well, he comes up with a plan saying that you're never safer than when you've got a loaded gun in the house. America doesn't back down. He makes America makes everybody else back up. I like that line a lot. <laughs> That's really good. And then, of course, he goes straight outside to blow these zombie fucks straight back to hell, and he goes outside and, due to his lack of gun control, blows his own head off. <laughs> Uh, Which looked really good, by the way. Thank you. Yes. It was fantastic. Tyler Adams was our VFX person who came along and really saved the day for us. And David, oh, sorry, and Dave, no, David McLaren, Tyler Adams. I better, I better get the right one. But yes, they really saved us with the visual effects. They did a great job. The zombie that was um, half half cut in half and he's sitting there and he's got his entrails hanging out and then decides to eat part of part of himself <laughs> like, you're not yeah. going to do that and he's like oh no yeah oh no yeah that cracked me up yeah uh, yeah it looked yeah it looked really gory pretty awesome like Super i said the, the 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 practical effects guy did do a lot of great stuff but there was just a few things that you know ended up taking us a lot of uh, chewing up a lot of time for us if you're going to make a sequel to I Survived a Zombie Holocaust, what would it be? Can you give me like a, a pitch? So, I mean, I guess we're really, we've sort of spoken about quite a lot of spoilery stuff here um, already. We always spoil the films when we do <laughs> <laughs> the, the audience knows what they're in for. Though. It doesn't matter too much. Hopefully people go and watch it anyway. Yeah, it's definitely still a fun one. But watch. I mean, it's all, in the ti- it's all in the title, isn't it? I Survived a Zombie Holocaust because I did survive it. What happens is... Uh, uh, at the end of the film, I'm not going to tell exactly what happens, but at the end of the film, it's um, you you don't ex- actually know exactly what happens and how mm. my character um, survives. You don't actually know that entirely. And so I would like, I think what we'd do is we'd pick up exactly where we left off. So the character driving, would... Driving out past all the, the, the fields, driving out of the... 
Like, yes. And your getaway scene. Smoking zombies on the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, driving along, hitting zombies along the way. And then you'd basically find out what happens to those characters next. And, and they need to, what it turns out is they need to get themselves out of the South Island. And the entire South Island has been quarantined. And so they're in Dunedin, but they've got to get all the way to the top of the South Island and across the ferry somehow during a zombie outbreak. And it's kind of like, okay, so what did happen next? How did they um, escape that? Because it definitely was one of my questions from the end of the film. Like I was like, what? what, what? <laughs> How did you end up here? <laughs> and and filming this film at the end, like it, I, sort of it'd be, the ending, kind of took me by surprise. Like that end part, right. I, I didn't understand. But I guess, yeah. um, well, I think it was it was kind of like um, it reminded me of like I'm a, a, it's supposed to be like a Romero thing. I think like you can correct correct me if I'm wrong. It's like you know when. Your, your protagonists escape from the zombie, whether it's in a mall or something, and then they end up on an island. But then the island's also full of zombies. So mm. then, you know, it kind of leaves it at that with the implication that they've been eaten after. But then you, like, flip that on its head where it's like, oh, this is actually the scene we're doing mm. in my... Yeah. Well, with this one, it's that he, uh, you know, he he survives. He's an aspiring filmmaker, um, and, and he doesn't have the... Um, life experience that he needs to really become a good storyteller. He's a, he wants to be a writer director, but his stories are derivative, and unoriginal, and he really he needs to have some life experience in order to be able to, uh, you know, create better films and be a better writer. And so he has this huge zombie experience, and then he uses that to develop himself as a as a character and as a writer. And he went away and he writes his feature film, and he finally somehow manages to get get it funded and he makes this feature film called I Survived a Zombie Holocaust which is about him escaping this zombie holocaust Um, and so yeah it's kind of left up to you to decide whether the entire thing is a film which it's not but what is a film about his true experience or 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 not or or if he um, has escaped and then come back later on to make this film and we're kind of cutting to some some time later but it did. It is. Yeah. It's basically he. They survive, and then he goes and finds uh, somehow funding to make his feature film, which is even harder than um, surviving a zombie holocaust. <laughs> I was going to give you a movie pitch for the sequel, but I think yours was considerably better. So. Okay. No, no worries. I'm standing by. I'm ready. I'll write. Uh, don't. Okay. But I've just got to warn you. If there's anything good in there, I might steal it and um, yeah, and there's use no it. chance of that. <laughs> I'm going to call it. Indi- I'm going to tell you now. I'm calling indie rights as soon as this podcast <laughs> is over. So uh, I think like expand on that meta aspect, and then so for the start of the second film, it is Harley Neville attending a screening of "I Survived a Zombie Holocaust" mm-hmm. sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Throw some old man makeup on you. You won't need to, mate. You won't need to, mate. It's been ten years, <laughs> and I've aged horribly. And so it's like one of these um, cult movie screenings. So you get up at the end, you answer some questions of like these of the audience. You go outside, and there is a mysterious figure. He has an idea to direct the and produce and fund the sequel to yeah i survived a zombie holocaust but it turns out that the sequel is essentially going to be a zombie snuff film and then that's like the that's that's the essential premise of it and mm-hmm. then you get enough funding and you you get like tommy wiseau to be the the director <laughs> or like the the mysterious yeah. director 
Or you get or you get Nicolas Cage. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Go go big on the cage. He seems pretty cheap these days. That's pretty good. I. Um, it's an idea. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it is a pretty good idea, and it's actually so good that we're, it's actually in our list of potential ideas because there is this kind of idea that maybe. Uh, uh, people are using the South Island to kind of set reality shows and do other things like that because it's overrun by zombies and they're kind of using the South Island, you know, illegally um, to to create kind of zombie things and do zombie stuff. Like a Truman Show, Hunger Games sort of thing? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that type of thing. So potentially, yeah. potentially Wesley escapes and then there's a bit of a conspiracy and people try to kind of oppress uh, suppress his story and and they you know they don't believe him and they make him out to be a quack, you know a, a crank and and that type of thing but sort of eventually you know so he escapes he overcomes this um and he maybe he reveals the you know this big kind of conspiracy as well and these people trying to you know do this Truman's show type thing in the south island and stuff like that and then makes his movie but who who knows it's not written but it, you know it it's it's on the cards. Yeah. It's similar to an idea that we had. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet. What is Pigville up to next? What is the next project? So so we've got a few th- a couple of things in post production. Um, we're a bit all over the place. Like we we're all sort of all, all over the show in the sense that we just create. We don't. We're not necessarily always creating horror or always creating comedy. We do have, you know, a few horrors, and we do have a few comedies, and we've also got a drama romance, and we've got a musical comedy, and so we're a little bit all over the show in that we create whatever um, we want to. Although a lot of the time it's based on what we can actually practically shoot, you know, with the resources that we have, and also with you know the the opportunities that come to us because it's all about kind of seizing the opportunities that come to you. And so we've got a few things which uh, we've got when I mean, we do our podcast, right? The Guy and Harley podcast. It's um, I'll plug that at the end. Also, we'll chuck a link for that in the description, listeners, if you want to go check that out. Yeah, that'd be great. And so that keeps us, you know, like we do that once a week, that keeps us active. But we we also have a documentary in uh, post-production, which has been shot and it's very nearing completion and will be out this year. Um, and cool. it's called Glimpses. And it's, a, it's a, a medical documentary, which is, you know, really left field. You know, it's really coming out of nowhere, but it's a medical documentary about multiple system atrophy, which is also known as MSA, which is an aggressive neurological disease that basically takes away... It leaves your mind okay. Your mind is fine, but it slowly shuts down one part of your body at a time. And so eventually, you know, you you start off not being able to move your little finger, but eventually you can't move anything and and you're just but your your brain is fine in there. And so this thing has been shot. It follows a man in his last um sort of few few weeks of life basically and so that's that's very neary, uh, nearing completion and so that will be out soon we've also got a short film called stay at home which was shot during lockdown last year um, which is finally going to come out sometime soon it's currently being sent to festivals um, and so hopefully that will uh, come out and then come out on youtube then there's another uh, feature film idea we've got called The Family, which is a sequel to our, our short film No oh, Caller yeah, ID. Yeah. <clears throat> I enjoyed that short a lot. Yeah, I did too. Well, if anybody out there in listener land wants to watch it, they can find it on YouTube by searching No Caller ID Pigville. Pigville is the key word, really. So No Caller ID Pigville. And you can go check that out. It's eight to nine minutes long, and it's a, a horror that we shot. And that's quite that's kind of got an interesting story in itself because basically we shot that meant to be kind of a 
bad film because it's a film within a film. It's actually within our film older. The, the protagonist is a filmmaker and he makes a film which is commercially successful but critically panned. And at one point in the film, older, we then cut to this kind of film within a film. And so we said, well, we're shooting a film. We've got to shoot this thing anyway. We've got the costumes, we've got the location, we've got the crew, we've got the actors, we've got everything we need. Why not shoot an actual short film? And if it sucks, then it doesn't matter because it's kind of meant to suck anyway. It just needs to be kind of this cheesy horror. And so we made it and it turned out great. It's not like a super original story, but it's just executed very well. And yeah. so what what happened? It you know, shot really well. There's a lot of good use of framing in that. Yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed that. Adam St. John was the director of photography of that one. And so um, so basically that ended up having a really long festival run and doing really well and opened a, opened a lot of doors for us. And, you know, we went to L.A. with it and, um, and I got a job out of it as event manager for Show Me Shorts Film Festival, which is New Zealand's biggest and best short film festival. Our film got into that. And then after that, they asked me if I would be interested in working with them um, and so yeah really it did open up a, a lot of doors for us and and so we sort of have this idea for a sequel which is kind of like well after the end of the film what happens next and so so yeah if people want to watch that though youtube.com slash pigville and the number two is our youtube channel pigville and the number two highly recommended you will check it down there in the description notes as well there's a few yep. films on there you guys can check out and there's like there are trailers as well if you want yeah. just a quick look at some of um pigville's feature films and then i'm also hoping to do a lot more youtube content so if people go there and and subscribe that'd be great because our youtube channel is monetized we're neighbors guy and i are neighbors and so and we've got a wee studio and so basically i'm really hoping that we can create a lot more short form content for our for our youtube channel as well um in between these big projects because if it takes five years per film then you're you know, you don't want to be waiting five years between releasing content. You want to also release other things at the same time in between. It's like you were saying before about mm. how, you know, the current currency is is eyes, not necessarily money. Mm. So having that kind of content, especially stuff that's more short form, more digestible, mm. is, a, is a great way to do that. And um, it does really support because obviously when the film, the feature films finally come out, you can, you've got an audience to promote them to. Plus, mm. you know, they are, if they're giving you a dollar a month on Patreon and there's a thousand of them, well, that's a thousand bucks a month. And then you've got your your YouTube ad revenue and then you've got your maybe your merchandising and you know and your affiliate links and your uh, referral referral links and you know you've got all these different ways to kind of monetize it if you're active regularly yeah there's definitely a lot like it's definitely like one of those things now isn't it you can pull from a lot of sources to generate like a decent revenue if you get if you get like yeah have your yeah. fingers in all the pies, I think, as a content creator these days is very important. Disparate passive re- revenue streams is what you really want, you know? So they're all these different things. And they might, maybe one of them by itself only gives you 100 bucks a month. But, you know, if you've got 10 of those, well, okay, it's 1000 bucks a month. That's pretty good. If yeah. you're putting that 1000 yeah. bucks towards your other productions, then, you know, you can kind of build it and grow it. Um, mm. And, yeah, it's just a matter of getting the ball rolling. Harley, mate, where can people find you? You mentioned Pegville YouTube before. Um, mm-hmm. Where else are you on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. So, so where can people check you out? We'll start with the films. Um, the films are I Survived a Zombie Holocaust. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on iTunes. Um, it's on your you know, on many other platforms. So go and watch that. Feel free. You 
can also, if you do watch it and you do enjoy it and you want to um, financially support us, you can go to patreon.com slash pigville and you can um, give us give a dollar him, a month. Give them a or, dollar, yeah. Yep, or you can give us a dollar for one month and then cancel it. That's fine too. Um, and then there's also youtube.com slash pigville and the number two. That's our main YouTube channel. Um, deceptively, that's our main YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash pigville and the number two. There's also the Guy and Harley podcast, which is about love, life and loss and the pursuit of filmmaking glory. And we've been doing it for five years. Our next episode will be this Sunday, hopefully, which is at uh, which will be episode 214 at, at the time of recording anyway. And so that um is if you like filmmaking podcasts you're you're out there you're, you're currently listening to a new zealand filmmaking podcast so i guess you probably do like new zealand filmmaking podcasts so go and check out um the guy and harley podcast it's it's really it's comedy and it's kind of a tragedy and it's kind of just basically documenting um our our journey uh so far and we do talk filmmaking but not in depth filmmaking down in the nitty nitty gritty it's also about our lives and kind of you know the chasing the dream and how it affects us and events in our lives that are unrelated to filmmaking that inevitably affect our ability to make films and so so yes uh the guy and harley podcast is on itunes spotify libsyn um twitch and youtube we live stream it when we record it and then we upload the edited audio later so it's kind of a, li- a live show you're a brave man for streaming it <laughs> we would say something horrific and we'd be like we're not oh, brave no. enough for that <laughs> oh, I say we can't edit things. this out <laughs> don't 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 worry we say horrific things all the time Fear not. Um, oh. uh, and so the other one that I'd love it if people could check out would be olderfilm.com, www.olderfilm.com. That's our it's our new feature film. Um, it's a drama romance, and there's a free option there. You can watch it on Tubi. If you go to um, the you know olderfilm.com, you can watch it on Tubi, but it's also on Amazon Prime, and, um, and you can also buy it directly from us on Vimeo, which is um, the best way for us. We get the most money that way. We have a third film, which we didn't really talk about, about which is Emmy the Vegan I-M-M-I is how you spell Emmy and it's a musical comedy and it's kind of weird and quirky and it's on Amazon Prime as well um, and Tubi and so the final thing I would say about that is that if you want to follow me personally, you can. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Harley Neville. Um, you can find me there, uh, and I, um, I'll be. I'd love to see you. I'd love to um, uh, connect with you. And I'm all about collaborating. So, so yeah, please do feel free to add or follow me on whatever your favorite platform is, basically. But Pigville is the keyword. Well, we've been Doctor Bad Film. We've had Harley on, and yeah, thanks, audience. We'll. Catch you next week for hopefully, hopefully the start of season two. We're doing we're doing maximum overdrive. That's the one. I don't know if you've <laughs> one. I don't know if you you've heard of that Harley. It's the it's the only film Stephen King's directed. Ooh, but it was in the midst of his his cocaine years. Oh, it, it's wild. Okay. It's about a murderous truck with the um, Green Goblin from Spider Man on the front. <laughs> Okay, interesting. <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll be tuning in and I, I hope the other listeners are as well. Excellent. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Hey, yo. See ya. See ya. Bye.
Hey, what are you guys still doing here? The podcast is over. Maybe if you want to come hang out, come carry on the conversation, head over to our Discord. You can find a link for that down in the episode description. Anyway, we should be back next week for the start of Season 2, and we'll see you then.